What a powerful, powerful presentation, and uh, thank you, ladies, for being here, and uh, thank you, uh, Amy and Tim, it's uh, her husband, Tim, where's Tim at? Tim's over here, all right, Tim's over there, Amy's over here, you know, you, you, you should be a little separated, okay? Um, but Tim and Amy, uh, welcome home, this is Michigan, they're from Michigan, uh, they've been uh, in Florida for the last, I don't know, 30 years, I guess, um, and it's been a while. Um, but they retired from the military. Uh, Tim was a Marine and uh, retired. And, and instead of coming home to Michigan, they stayed down in Florida. And, uh, but we're glad that you're here. I know that they're hard. I know they're hard. Because if you ask Tim what your favorite college football team is, he would tell you, go blue, right? There you go. There you go. So he's still with us. He hasn't been converted to Florida football or anything like that. So, well, we're glad that you guys came. Thank you. And, and like I said, tonight's going to be incredible. I hope you make every, uh, do everything you can to show up tonight at the Emerald Theater. We've got churches from different parts of our area that are going to be showing up as well. We've got a good group of people that will be, be there tonight at 6 o'clock, and it's uh, going to be awesome. It's going to be an awesome event. Um, <clears throat> Again, if you're visiting with us, thank you for being here. I know that was kind of different um, in our service, but thank you for being here. And uh, we're in a series called Like Me. Like Me. And we're talking about how to follow Jesus in a selfie-centered world. How to follow Jesus in a selfie-centered world. And I want to talk today a little bit about compassion. You know, as we talk about what we just saw here today, um, and, and about a need that's going on in our area and all around the world. Uh, but I want to talk about compassion. I want to talk about what that means. I want to talk about how social media, technology, how they propel a spirit of compassion. I also want to talk how it might hinder, how social media and technology, how it might hinder technology and, and compassion. And so there are many different ways that social media can really help make a difference in this world. We can now raise awareness for all kinds of organizations, ministries. Uh, we can raise money. We, we can get people to get involved in different key events. Like tonight, you know, we've been pushing social media, and uh, we've had a lot of people express interest in just the event tonight through social media. And so overnight, something can become very, very popular. You've never heard about it before. And overnight, social media can take a need. It can make awareness, and, and everyone can be talking about it for a few weeks. And then just like that, overnight, everybody stopped talking about it. You know, for example, you all remember this. I don't know, probably four years ago, three, four years ago, um, everybody challenged everyone or someone to do the ice bucket challenge. How many of you remember the ice bucket challenge? Yes, okay. And, and, and that was a big awareness, if you remember, for ALS disease or Lou Gehrig disease. No one was talking about it. But all of a sudden, everybody in the world was talking about it. Everybody was challenging to get dump some, a bucket of ice and, and, and then pass it forward. Challenge somebody else in your, in your social media world to do the same thing. And everybody, everybody was talking about it. And this went on for about three or four weeks. 
And then it stopped. Nobody talking about it. Nobody thinks about it anymore. You know, it, we, we, we talk about it for a few minutes. We talk about it for a few weeks. And then it stopped. It was hot, and then it's not. It was popular, and then it stopped being so popular. And with all of the benefits that social media can provide, I'm going to show you today that there are some downsides. There are some downsides to what social media does to this idea of compassion. The University of Michigan did a comprehensive study on 14,000 college students from 1979 to 2009. And what they found was that there was a drastic decline in empathy. A drastic decline. If you're taking note, the results of this massive study showed that we care 40% less about other people than we did in 1980. From 1979 to 2009, it dropped 40% that we care less. We care less. And it raised the question, why are we caring less? And there are a lot of theories, a lot of ideas out there. Some experts argue that they believe that one of the top causes is that the rise in social media actually caused people to care less, believe it or not. That the rise of social media had caused people to really care less. And how could that happen? Why could that happen? Well, here's a couple of ideas out there, if you're taking notes. Possible ways that social media could cause us to care 40% less. Number one, we're more obsessed with ourselves. We're more obsessed with ourselves. Studies show this, and this is interesting, but studies have shown that 80% of what a person does on social media actually relates to the user. In other words, if I'm going on social media, if I'm going on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter or Snapchat or whatever, I don't do Snapchat, but for those that are, okay, but when you're on it, you know, you're interested in what people are saying about your post. You're interested in how many likes that you're getting or how many shares is happening or what the comments are being said about your post. 80% of what we do on social media direct, relate directly to you and to me. And so it causes us to care less about others because we become self-absorbed. We become self-absorbed. We, we start to become more concerned about us. Here's another idea, and if you're taking note, an overwhelming exposure to suffering desensitizes us. Experts are saying that because we see everything on a timeline, you know, one post after another post, after a picture, after a link, after a video. Everything is on a timeline. We see everything there. And our brain doesn't know how to separate which one is more important than the other. So you might be scrolling along, and your newsfeed, you see 
a, a recipe for guacamole. And then you see the next post is about some political scandal. And then you see another post, it's a video of a, of a, of a cat video or something. And, and, and then the post after that is, is something that tragic that happened on the other side of the world. Maybe, maybe a reporter beheading. I mean, you start seeing all the stuff, and it's all there. And we start to see it. And in our brain, we don't do well to distinguish the different posts, the different uh, stuff that's on our timeline. We, we have a hard time to see what's more important, the, the guacamole or the beheading. And, and it, becomes, it becomes equal in our timeline. It becomes equal on the page. It becomes more equal in our mind. And then we start to care less. All right? And so we, we see all these things on one timeline. And we start to become desynthesized to what's really happening. Here's another idea of why social media actually hurts. It's that a lack of personal interaction makes it easier not to care. It, it's easy from a distance. It's easy on a Facebook timeline to see someone that says, I lost my job, and you see it, and, and you know what you say? So, oh, man, I'm sorry I'm praying for you. You know, and it's easy for us to say that. However... If we're sitting across from each other and you tell me, Scott, I've lost my job. And I don't know how I'm going to make it. I don't know how I'm going to pay the bills. I'm going to have to tell my kids that they, they can't be involved in the extracurricular stuff that they want to do. I, I've got to, you know, I've got, I'm not even sure how I'm going to make the house payment. And all of a sudden, I, I start to sense a real deep uh, struggle and frustration. And I start to feel really deeply for him. I start to really care because I'm having a conversation right in front of him, right in front of me. But it's easier to disconnect from a distance. It's so easy for us to do that. And when we relate so much to others based on what we see through social media, we actually end up caring less. We start to care... We start to care from a distance, and the, the minute we get off, we've forgotten about it. We have forgotten about it. And so what's the challenge? What's the challenge for you? What's the challenge for us? How do we have this balance? I'm not saying that social media is bad, but I'm, I'm trying to give us some caution. I'm trying to give us some red flags that social media can sometimes hurt rather than help. So what's the challenge? Well, we need to understand that as followers of Christ, God calls us to do so much more. And that's what this whole day is all about. He has called us to do so much more. The compassion counts. Compassion counts. And what I want to do is give us two main thoughts that will drive us through this message this morning. And then we're going to let the Holy Spirit just speak to us. And I believe that God will use this message in a powerful, powerful way. Number one, if you're taking notes. We need to understand that true compassion demands action. True compassion demands action. Now, when we see the word compassion, we're going to see in just a few minutes some verses of the word compassion in, in, in the New Testament. And in the Greek, it translated the word 
splag chizomai. Splag chizomai. That's the word, that's the Greek word for compassion. And let me tell you what the word means. It means to have the bowels yearn. To have the bowels yearn. And I, I've got to be honest with you. I'm not even sure what that means. But that sounds serious to me. Blood chisomai. And that's what the Bible dictionary says. It means your intestines, they're doing something inside of you deeply. There's an aching on the inside for somebody else or for someone else. It means to feel deep sympathy. Deep sympathy. To be moved to action. Splatchizomai. Splatchizomai. Not just an emotion. Compassion is an action that demands out of that emotion, it demands action. Number two, if you're taking note, to say that you care, but not act, is not to care at all. To say that you care, but not to act, is not to care at all. Now, let me say this. We can't care about everything. Some of you are more passionate about other things in this world. And I, I heard one time that said, your misery can determine your ministry. What, what hurts you, what challenges you, it's impossible for you to care for everything. We're not, we're not the savior of the world. Jesus is. We're called to care. We're called to do our part. We're called to find the things that God wants to care about. All right? But to say that we care and not act, to not care at all. You see, you know, what will happen is we see this on Facebook. We see something on Instagram. We see something terrible. It's, oh, man, that's terrible. We click, 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 like, 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 which is weird to me that we like something when something bad happens, you know, but we like, we like it. You know, we say that we care, but that's all we do. Caring, if you're taking note, is not clicking. Caring is acting. Caring is not clicking on something. It's actually being involved to make a difference. Caring is not liking a post, but it's loving a person. It's being moved from the depth of your spirit, from the depth of your soul, to get outside of yourself, to get involved in the life of someone else. And every time we see the word compassion in the gospel, every time we see Jesus, in the life of Jesus, we see compassion. We always see an emotion of compassion followed by an action. I want to look at here a couple of verses here that we see this. Mark chapter 1, verse 40 and 41. A man with leprosy came and knelt in front of Jesus, begging to be healed. If you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean, he said. In verse 41, move with compassion. Again, that's that word, splachizomai. He said, Jesus, reach out and touch him. 
reached out and touched him. His compassion demanded an action. Matthew chapter 14, verse number 14. Jesus saw this huge crowd as he stepped out from the boat. And he had, again, compassion. Blood chisomite. He had compassion on them. And what did he do? He healed the sick. He didn't say, you know, I'm going to be praying for y'all. And I'm going to be praying for you guys. I hope you do okay. No, he actually did something. He felt for them, and therefore he was moved to do something about it. Look at Matthew chapter 20, verse 34. Some blind guys are crying out to Jesus. The Bible said that Jesus had compassion on them. Compassion. Notice what he did. He touched their eyes. His compassion turned into action. And immediately they received their sight and they followed him. Jesus felt compassion. Therefore, he acted. True compassion demands action. To say you care but not act, that you not care at all. And it's tragic to live in a society that will care 40% less about people. And it's tragic. And it's going to be unacceptable, I believe, in the church of God, in the house of God, to sit by and not act when people are in need all around us. So here's what I want to do for the next few minutes. For the rest of our time, I want to give us some applications. What are we going to do about this? I'll give you three thoughts. What does compassion do? Number one, compassion interrupts. Compassion it interrupts. When you look at Jesus, you're going to see over and over and over again that when he was interrupted by need, he did something about it. He was interrupted all the time through his ministry. I'm going to give you a couple of stories I'm going to give you the text. I'm not going to take time to read the verses, but I'm going to give us the text. You can look at, it, look at the story uh, later on today or this week. Mark chapter 6. Jesus and the disciples had been working, you know, just been working their tails off doing ministry. I mean, they had been working hard. They were exhausted. They were fried. The, the Bible says that they, had been, that they haven't been able to eat for days because they have been so busy. And so Jesus, he says this in Mark chapter 6, he said, hey guys, let's, let's take a time out. Let's take a break. Let's get some rest. Let's, let's go, let's, let's get caught up on our sleep. Let's get caught up on some food. And it was Jesus' idea. And I don't know if you've ever been like that, you know, but you're just so spent that you're like, you know what, I need some me time. You know, I need to get rid of the kids for a few hours. I need some me time. I need some alone time. I need to read a book. I just need to, to veg out. I need a time out. I need a break. And that's where Jesus was. Okay, Jesus said, hey, we've got to have some me time here. And then suddenly, in Mark chapter 6, just the moment he said we need to take a break, all of a sudden, this big crowd of people showed up. The Bible said that Jesus canceled his me time. Cancel his rest. The Bible says he was moved with compassion. He got up and started teaching the crowd. He taught the crowd. He was moved with compassion to do something. 
Jesus was interrupted in his me time. And he said, you know what? I'm going to serve them again. The compassion interrupts. Here's another story. Luke chapter 8. Jesus was on his way to heal a dying sick girl. A dying sick girl. And on the way, another woman had this idea, you know, I'm sick too. I'm sick. And I'm gonna, I've had this thing for 12 years of my life. And so she decided that she was going to stop Jesus in his track. And uh, on the way that Jesus is going to see the sick, dying sick girl, that's an important mission, right? Where Jesus had to go was important, but this woman stopped Jesus in the track and said, I need to be healed. And Jesus stopped the mission that he was going to to take care of this lady. To take care of this lady. And after he did, he kept going, and he did heal that young little girl, that dying girl. Another story, a crazy story, but in Mark chapter 2, Jesus is teaching the record attendant day, the house, it's packed. It is full of people. And there were these four guys that had a buddy that was paralyzed. And they heard that Jesus was in the house. They heard that Jesus was in town. So they're like, hey, we've got to get our friend to Jesus. And so they, got, they get to the house, and they realize they can't even get close to the house. The house is overflowing people. Jesus is in the house, in the middle of the house, teaching. And people are hanging out, trying to listen through the walls, through the doors, through the windows, from the outside in, listening to Jesus. And so these four guys, they could have just packed up, the, you know, they could have packed up and gone home. They could have said, you know what, it's impossible. But these four guys said, you know what, we're not going to stop. We're going to go see Jesus. And so they, they got the, that man, that paralyzed man, they go to the top of the house. They start digging through the house, through the roof. And can you just imagine Jesus, you know, he's teaching. All of a sudden, parts of the roof is falling on his head. Now, I don't know. If, if that were to be happening to me right now, and I'm teaching, and I start seeing a hole happening right above me, you know, while I'm teaching, you know what I'll be doing right now? I'll be calling security. All right? We've got a, we've got a problem. But Jesus, he allowed this interruption to happen. Before you know it, he sees this hole in the roof with four guys' faces looking down. And they see Jesus. Jesus probably waves to, hey, guys, what's up? And they say, hey, we got, we're, we're bringing somebody down. They lowered the paralyzed man down. And the Bible said that in the interruption of Jesus' message, Jesus took a time out, and he healed that guy. He forgave that guy's sin. He helped him up. He was interrupted. I'm going to argue this all day long. I'm going to argue that God often works through divine interruptions. God often works through divine interruptions. And we often miss those because we're too busy doing our own thing. Divine interruptions are happening all the time around you. Yet we're too involved, we're too busy, we're too self-absorbed that we miss it. We miss out on opportunities to do ministry. We miss out on opportunities to put compassion on display. 
God may, be, God may move you to pick up the phone this afternoon and to call someone, someone that's hurting, someone that could use an encouraging word. God may be calling you this afternoon and say, well, you know, it's got my nap time on Sunday afternoon. God wants to interrupt your nap time so that you can pick up the phone and have a conversation. You might be driving along the road. There's someone with a, with a flat tire. And God may give you an opportunity. It may be a divine interruption for you to stop and to help that person. Or you might stop to listen to that annoying person in your life. Blah, 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 blah. But you're going to stop and you're going to listen. You're going to take, you know what, I'm going to listen to that person. Because every life group has one of those people. It's a principle. And you say, oh, God, you don't know. In our life group, we don't have any of those people. Hashtag, it might be you. <laughs> the same. They all have one, I'm telling you. <laughs> you let the Holy Spirit interrupt. You take the time. You take the time to be with that person. Divine interruption. God often works through it to say you care but not at. It does not care at all. Compassion interrupts. Number two, compassion costs. Compassion, it costs. Jesus told a compelling story about the good Samaritan guy who goes to help a Jewish guy. He goes out of his way to help someone that would actually hate him. Samaritans and Jewish people did not like each other. But this Samaritan guy goes out of his way, he helps this guy, he bandits the guy up, he picks up the bloody guy, he puts him on his donkey, he takes him to the closest inn, he pays out of his own pocket, the Samaritan guy, he pays out of his own pocket two days' wage and, and pays for his room and board at his hotel, at this inn. He did all of this for a stranger, someone that he didn't know, someone that they had a, a cultural disconnect because Samaritans and Jewish people did not like each other. And it cost him, and he did it for a stranger. Too often in our culture, in the world that we live in, we want to do drive-by compassion. We want to do what's easy for us. Oh, you know, I'll just click. I'll just share it. I'll, I'll retweet it. You know, I'll, just, I'll, I'll make a comment on the post. You know, we do drive-by compassion, but true compassion generally causes something. You see, when you click, clicking is clean. Compassion is messy. I mean, it's clean to click, it's clean to share it, it's clean to whatever. But real compassion, messy. Messy. These young ladies, they came up here from Florida. They paid 
their own way to come up to you. Because something moved them to compassion. Compassion moved them, and it, it, it interrupts. You know, they, they could have come up here during the summertime. But no, these Florida girls came up here when it's cold. They sacrificed their weekend, and it cost them. They flew up here on their own dime because they care about a cause, about something that was messy, so that they could bring awareness to a, a, a need, to an, a thing that's going on in their own backyard. Compassion. It's messy when it costs. Some of you, you're going to be moved to compassion, and you're going to do something about it, and it's going to be messy. Some of you are going to see the, the heart of these dancers who came all the way up here from Florida to share their heart for those who are stuck in human trafficking, and, and, and you're going to be moved to do something about it. You can't just sit by and just watch. You say, you know what, I've got to do something more. You're going to mentor maybe an inner city kid, and that will be complicated. You might serve an LP kids or LP students, and your heart's going to be captured by that 15-year-old kid who's been cutting herself or himself, and, and it's complicated, it's messy. You're going to foster. You're going to fall in love with the kid. You're going to give that kid back a life, and you're going to serve some purpose, and it won't be easy. It'll be difficult. It's going to cost. Compassion, true compassion. It costs. It interrupts. And number three, compassion changes lives. It changes lives. Everywhere Jesus went, when he was moved with compassion, he changed lives. You see, when you get outside of yourself, God changes lives. And often, the one he changes the most, it's yours. It's your life. You, you, you sign up for something and say, you know what, I'll, I'll be involved. I'll, 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 I'll show that I care. I'll act. And the more you get involved in it, the more God starts to change you. Life begins to change. And it starts with us. Compassion. It means to ache from the inside for somebody else. It's a deep yearning. It's a deep emotion that causes it to act. It demands action. And yet in our society that we live in, we care even less. My friend, that is unacceptable in the church that represents the Lord Jesus Christ. And therefore, we will care, and because we care, we will act. I pray here today that you will be moved with compassion. What is it that your misery, what is it that's aching deep inside of you? What is it that God keeps interrupting through his divine interruption 
that he wants you to stop being so self-consumed and so busy? What is it that you need to look up and say, God, I hear you, and I want to do something about it? Our Heavenly Father, we love you, and we thank you today for your powerful word of compassion. God, I pray that compassion is not just a buzzword, but that it's a real sense of urgency in our lives. That we will be moved to follow after what you're leading us to do, whatever that might be. God, I pray that through the divine interruption, that we won't be so busy, so self-absorbed, that we will actually care and do something about it. So, God, I don't know how you're working in our lives. God, I don't know what you're teaching us today. I know that each and every person in here, God, I know that this message could translate in some way, somehow, for us to have compassion about something. But at the end of the day, it's all about you. And it's all about what you've done for us on the cross that we can move people to who you are into a relationship with you. God, I pray that as a church, we will be compassionate, deeply moved, that requires action. I say that we just don't do lip service. God, I pray that we just don't click on like on Facebook. God, I pray that we do more to show what true compassion because there's a world that's dying and lost that needs believers, the church, to show what compassion is all about. So God, we pray you bless the last song as we sing, as we listen to the last song. God, I pray that we will be challenged. God, I pray that we will contemplate. God, I pray that you will speak to us in this last song. In your name I pray. Amen. You may be seated.